1: this is in houston
2: yeah I, I know i don't want to do i mean then this we have right now the price um I, yeah we'll talk about it as you go you'll see it. i have a different pulse about the rehab stuff now
1: okay all right
2: da, 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 da.
3: Just so you know, we're going to go live too. Oh, nice. (laughs) We're going to go live too. So if Anthony didn't warn you, I'm warning you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want to say, Sharana, say it after you go live.
3: I think once we get 10 people in here, I'll go live. But you can, Anthony can go and do an intro and then we'll jump right into it. All right. Good
4: stuff. <clears throat>
2: It goes
1: to live on Facebook, right? Yeah, it's gonna go live on Facebook. Hey, welcome, welcome everybody. We have a little bit of a different uh, show today. We have Mr. Sharier Khan on here, and uh, he's one of our partners in Houston. And the dude likes really big deals, and especially commercial. So we're gonna go over a little bit of how to identify a commercial deal. We don't want to confuse anybody. We don't want to throw anybody off of your game. But if you're not keeping your eyes open, at least ha- uh, knowing which opportunities to look for, these types of opportunities will pass right by you uh, often. And that's a shame because any one of these opportunities can make your whole year. I mean, it could, it could change your whole career. It could change your whole life just with one of these types of opportunities. So we wanted to bring Shryer on here. And um, I don't know how many, how many think you're going to run, Shryer? How many, how many days should we, uh, should we schedule for this?
2: Uh, I would say what we can do, I can, uh, at least a three, if not more. The three okay. is a good good point, right? The first day will be a lot of information dumping. Second day it's a good conversation. And third day, we can underwrite some of the assets live and just to kind of give you a pulse of it.
1: Perfect. Yeah. So if somebody does not have a paper and a pen or the notepad open on your phone, I would encourage you to do so. Like I don't know how deep he's going to go today, but like you said, maybe on the third, we'll probably end up doing this like maybe uh, three or four Mondays in a row. Um, but I really highly encourage you to grab something to write on because a lot of this information, it could, it's pretty complex. It's a lot, it's a lot more complex than what we typically go over on a regular little land flip. So yeah, if you did have a paper and a pen, I would grab it uh, or have your notes open on your phone and just uh, be receptive. And again, this isn't to to knock you off your game or to have you get too dramatic on changing what you're doing in real estate already, but you really should learn to keep your eyes open for these commercial opportunities because they are amazing. And uh, yeah, it only takes one deal to make your whole year. That's right. So uh, yes, yeah, Uh we love you to death, man. You've been with us for a long time. And uh, you know I know we've been working, planning on doing something like this sooner than, than later, but we're here now. So we're just gonna just hand it over to you and, and you can take it away. Cool.
2: Now I really appreciate this opportunity, so I would say thank you, and I'm really you know blessed and happy to be a part of your team. And I've seen how you when you guys started and how you took the team, and how much you care for your people and your community. That's just amazing, right? So I am hundred percent sold with HiveMind and the community. I'm also a part of it, as you guys know. So thank you, and again, if you guys have anything questions. Um, I'm a high intensity, high, I, mean, I talk very fast. If you have any question, please ask me. I will take a pause and I will answer your questions. Right? Absolutely do not and I'll feel about anything but not asking a question. So ask me anything that you have in mind. Absolutely no problem, okay? So let me share my screen a little bit and then we'll go from there. So let me know when you can see my screen, please. Do you all see my screen? Yes, we can see it. Awesome. So uh, just to give an idea, so what I will do before we get started, I will share a little bit about me and how I came came into the real estate so we can connect, get some grounding. Then we'll talk about a little bit about the asset class and categories. Then I'll emphasize on building a team and what type of team players you need to do it. And then if we have time, We'll do the you know, market and location, but you know, I'm have we have enough time to cover the first three and I'll try not to get to the number four. And for the next session, we'll start with the number four and then we'll talk about some of the approach that you could take typically to engage with the commercial property owners. Then I'll give you some back of the envelope uh, calculation methodology. Then again, we'll recap the team because single family, it could be one-man show forever a one-man or one-woman show for forever, a one-person show, but commercial, it's a team game. It is not a single-person game. Uh, Faster you build a team, you do it. And there's a tactic, there's a strategy going about the team, and I'll talk about it as you can go. Okay. All right, so a little bit about me. Uh, Again, I'm a PowerPoint guy. I do a lot of things on the PowerPoint, so kind of bear with me. Uh, Two, where am I? So this is me in the middle. And I want, you know, this is my team. This is my core team. Uh, Ajit is my core partner. I've been doing real estate with him for almost three years now. He comes from a hotel background. His family has uh, he's a, a family, I think two-generation hotelier. And then he went to NM, did the corporate guide, then he came into multifamily and/or the passive investment for three years. And he partners with majority, I mean almost 10% of my deal that I have done, above a million dollars. Me. Uh, I I have a corporate background. I used to be an engineer. Then I went to finance, did my MBA from Rice, and I started real estate pretty, uh, about four years ago. My acquisition manager, it's Ramiz, he's from Houston, and I have a title company and also broker within our team, right? I I work extremely uh, heavy in the wholesale channel. I have a wholesale team that buys only for me, because I'm the end buyer, in a sense, like you guys, whenever you do a contract, you have to sign it, you know, the buyer's list. For my team, we are the buyer. So that this site kind of sort of goes away. Uh, so that's that. And for us, uh, let me show you some of the assets that we have purchased uh, over the course of last uh, last 12 months. I have a 227 unit under contract. Hopefully we're gonna close in two days. Uh, it's a $17 million project. I'll walk you guys through an example how a wholesaler made the money. Uh, we have another one. I'm partnered with somebody. We have this office that we bought in, in January. Uh, that's a three-story office I bought from an attorney. Then we have this Carson lot. It's a 10 acres commercial land. We'll talk about it. Uh, then I bought two warehouses in Texas City and Pasadena middle of last year. Then I bought another warehouse early last year and I bought small apartments, just to give you a flavor of things that we buy. All in all, I believe last year or last four years, uh, I bought over 182 properties. We sold about 150 that cuts across across the asset class. And, and then we, I think total roughly about $12 million equity we deployed in the last you know, uh, four years or so. Uh, we, we're not dead heavy. Uh, it's about 21% investor return that we have done. So in my team, and now I have Ajit, and also we recently added a finance manager. Uh, I'll walk you through a little bit. So uh, he's an eggshell, just like me. And also Tochi, he came to my team uh, two months ago. What's up? So uh, two months ago, it's another way. We tend to think of ourselves as a small private equity uh, company focusing on real estate on the wholesale channel. So that's our background. Last year, we texted almost 700,000 phone numbers, called about a half a million phone numbers, sent about a quarter million letters. So just like you guys, I am with you guys all day. Hey, Dan, okay. come clean the cereal up. And you all clean the floor too. So enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit about me, okay? Uh, I, I play in Houston and in Dallas and uh, for the commercial mostly in Texas. Uh, I am also branching out in Colorado. Uh, so from the market perspective, I have some idea in the Colorado, uh, very good idea about the Texas market. Uh, so if you could ask me, I can be able to help you out. So when I put everything together, the question is how do we look at the asset classes and what are the asset types? Uh, the difference between a resi and a land and a commercial is that whenever we engage with those sellers, most of them are pretty sophisticated. That means they have been there, they've done that, they have a good sense of financials. So whenever we engage, we have to level ourselves up a little bit, right? I can buy cash, goes good for a 50, 60, 100, 200 grand worth of product, but I can pay cash for a million dollar worth of product. Anything above a higher, it's a different taste to it, right? So. On that note, I took it down a little bit more, I broke it down. So in my mind, when I look at the commercial asset classes or typical asset classes, we have two, resi and a commercial. And the resi is typically the land and single family. You can fill in the condos, things like that within the single family, which is one family lives in one house, right? On the commercial, we have quite a bit. We have land, we have industrial, we have retail, we have office, mixed use, multifamily, hospitality, Medical building. It is extremely tricky because each of them, they will have a different way of underwriting, different way of doing the valuation. The way you value medical building, that's not the way you value retail. That's not the way we value office, right? So whenever we get into it, remember I said that commercial it's a team game. That's the team. The question becomes, if I am a wholesaler, I am focusing on land mostly. If I get on a phone call with the seller they happen to own some big tract in the commercial in the inner city right by downtown, what do I do? Do I make an offer or do I talk to my team and let the team make the offer on behalf of me and they can fight the battle for me and I go behind it and write the type, right? So example, This is my other asset. This is the property we're buying, that apartment that I showed you on Pasadena. Buying price, $70 million. These guys came, spent, I mean, just like wholesale, right? They made phone calls, made the introduction. And we did all the work. They used our resume, our conversation, our financial, our team, everything, us. But they're getting a nice check of $170,000. One check. And they did at least four or five of them. Right. But it's a different flavor. So, what I'm back to what Anthony was talking about is as you do your deals, stay on your pad. But if something shows up on the secondary or tertiary or side of your eyes, that something may make sense, you know, uh, you kind of come in real quickly, back of the envelope, do a quick calculation, and then see if the seller wants to sell. If they do, call up the team and deploy the team, your resources instead of you, they go it for, I mean, they go for it and you can kind of write the type. Right. So that's the way our, uh, the team player comes in. Sometimes it's gonna go over your head, sometimes it goes over to my head. And then I'm gonna call up somebody and then we kind of do the deals together. Right. And that's how this team, they did it. Can they buy a $70 million deal? No. Can I buy a $70 million deal? The answer is no. But I know enough people to build the team together to do it. Same thing with this guy's, uh, or is this This guy's, no, sorry. This was the 10 acres land that we coasted. All he said, Shariar, so I'm in, I think, uh, I was in Kansas City, he called me Shariar, it's a 10 acres, uh, seller asking almost 500 $600,000. And he said, I can buy it if I can close it in less than 20 days. It was an all cash deal. One phone call, two minutes conversation, we did everything. Took a check for twenty-two thousand dollars. So team matters on the on the commercial space. Team matters. That's so. I would say on the land side, you know, uh, typical. Whenever you do underwrite, underwrite as a land value, the difference in a commercial land and residential land, that we buy this land at a discount, and we sell at a market. On the commercial land, typically you're not gonna find at a discount and if it's a big one, because the seller knows what's going on. But if you do buy a discount, it's fantastic, seller retail. But sometimes we don't find you know, the properties in commercial at a heavy discount, right? Maybe a little bit discount, whatever it is, right? Then what you do is that you find the people who can do some work on this property and increase the value of the property. There's a lot of things we can do on the land uh, not subdivided you know, subdivided one of the ways to go, but you can do some other things on a land to create a plan and go to the planning process spend two hundred three hundred thousand dollars and increase the value that's your rehab on the you know, land I guess so that's also you could do if you have a right team they're looking for assets uh, and if you can find the land for them, they can put the contract for you they can do the closing for you and you get on the other side. that may not be a You know, fantastic check on terms of, I mean, in terms of ratio perspective. But heck, money, if you can get two, three percent off of a, you know, two, three, four million dollar deal, why not? I'll take it. Case in point, I just started marketing on Dallas. My first text batch went out, I think I started this Tuesday. Uh, We are negotiating. At the same time, someone emailed me a 40,000 square footage of tract by close to downtown Fort Worth. All it did made the introduction. We sent an LOI for $2.1 $2. million. I would never think in my, in my living life that I'm going to go to Dallas and a typical land that we buy, you know, $50,000, $10,000, all down to half a million dollar. And then all of a sudden, we're going to put a $2 million. I wrote that deal off. When I wrote the deal off, then I went back and talked to my partners that, hey, I have two advisors. Hey, I'm trying to buy this deal. What is the best way to do it? They gave me some ideas, and we got it this way, and all of a sudden, the land that we wrote off, we put an LOI for two point one million dollars. If we do get it, the wholesaler again is entitled to get right around 100000 dollars. Amount of work needs to get done, uh, and the amount of work is happening is disproportional, but you get a big check, right? So that's 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 the land. Another way takeaways that as you do your land things, if you find the big ticket items. If you find a commercial zone close to the downtown, hustle and bustle, not that far away, then bring it out to the team and I see what makes sense. Your industrial, then retail, office and space. I'll give you a little bit more rundown of how how there are subsections underneath it, right? But before I go, any questions, comments, thoughts so far? Hey, were you gonna go into that,
1: uh, that downtown Fort Worth land to just talk about a little bit and why it was okay. so valuable and all that stuff? Are you, are, you just, are you gonna come back to that?
2: Yes, that's fine, I will. Okay, so what I'll do, let me quickly give a rundown of it and make you guys a little more confused and then I'll bring you back to land and then I will do it. I get confused, too. don't get me wrong. I was so, I mean, it is, it is fun, but it's a different beast. At the same time, I am a sucker for not learning. If I don't have to learn, instead of that, I call Anthony and I ask him, Anthony, hey man, how does Antonio market? I want to buy this piece of property. In two minutes, he's going to give me an answer or even 30 seconds. Versus, I have to dig out three days of the homework, then sleep over, then feel bad, then make an offer. So sometimes it's not, it's not how, it's who matters. So team matters, especially on the commercial segment. But I'll come back and talk about the fourth number. Okay. So from this, they still have a lot of different other subsections for you, guys. Let me. Soil. Land, on the commercial, it's a buy and hold, one play, one valuation. New development, one valuation. Industrial, if it's a vacant, you get a different kind of pricing. If it's occupied, depending on the lease, it's a different kind of pricing. Retail, it's another, you know, depending on the size and the unit counts, and also the locations has a different pricing mechanics. Office, if it's a single tenant, multi-tenant, what kind of a company? Everything. Mixed use, what if, if you find a first story, and so a second floor office, fourth floor retail, and third floor is an apartment. That's mixed use. On the apartment, you have different segments. You have the market rented, market rate product, affordable product, senior living product. They have three asset classes, class A, B, and C depending on how much the local, uh, what's the earning power of the local uh, zip code or the census tract will decide class A, you easily clear six figure, class B 75 and higher, class C will be you know, anything less than seven, right? right? Hospitality, another best. Then also depending on the age of the building, it's class A, B and C, right? The medical building, different takeaway. So all I'm saying is that for us to go from a land to residential, It sounds sexy, sounds cool. We all can go on this side. But before you jump onto the different lane, ask yourself, do we really want to learn? Or do you want to be, I mean, do you really want to know a little bit of to be dangerous and tag on the right side of the team, right? So I would prefer the other one that I know, know enough, or we all should know enough where we get the max value by bringing a team and doing the least amount of work, right? So it's not how, it's who really plays an important role and the commercial asset classes. On that note, I'm going to go back to the fourth word. Uh, then we can we can talk about. It. Come on. Where is the. As I'm looking for it, guys, I'm going to go ask any questions you may have, please.
4: Hey, good evening. Hey. Uh, you spoke in a, a great deal in depth and com- uh, complete re- reiteration of the importance of how vital it is to establish a team. Could you uh, speak into a little bit on how about, how you brought about your team, like how did you forge those relationships and build those relationships and perhaps how you might advise another to do so?
2: Okay. So I have a couple of philosophies when I when I do my team. Uh, I'll walk you guys through what are my philosophies are. So my big philosophy is that when I do my partnership, uh, it's not for deal number one and two if I do not see myself doing a deal with deal number four, five and six with an, with an individual, then I'm not going to partner with. It's going to be purely transactional. That's number one. Number two is that when we do something, right? We need to look for different skill set. I, well, I need my partners to be different. And they need to do things differently, think differently, but ultimately my end goals are aligned, right? In other way, I just don't want to find another of me, right? I'd rather find, Anthony who looks at differently, Daniel who looks at differently, and you know Ajit who looks at differently. So when you look for a team, look for that. That are they doing something different than what you are doing. If you are cold calling, I'm just for simplicity, an ideal partner will be who's texting. If you're texting, then ideal partner will be who is cold co-calling, vice versa, right? If we're trying to buy assets and you can generate enough leads then ideal partner should be who can help you, which which you're not so good at, that's not your superpower, they do it. So on a typical deal flow basis, this is my work process, my mentally engagement, underwriting, contract, capital, acquisition, asset management. When I look for my team, I need to see who's going to do what. Right? Deal gets bigger, it gets more steps to it. Deal gets smaller, one or two people. But if I have to put my fingers on Ramiz and Riza, they are the engagement. They they engage. Every single marketing goes to their hand. So I don't want to see anything. I don't want to know anything unless they touch it, right? Unless it's an extremely big deal, but still they're calling me, right? So I have a clear idea about that. Who are we going to put our, you know, where is the shoulder? Who's going to be responsible for it? Then on the underwriting, I am the first pass. If I say that it is an investable deal, at least it passes our initial underwriting, then Ajit is going to come in and do the work. But for me to underwrite, I need to talk to bank. I need to talk to at least two or three banks. I need to look at the market. I need to talk to the economical view of local market in Houston, five years down the road, what's going to happen, the whole shebang. Up. So in general, again, going to back, do partners with people who you see you can do deal with, number deal number four, five, and six, not one and two. Number two, when you look at the partner, be very hard about it what is the different skill set between you and your partner? Because combination of those two skill sets will make the team stronger and better. Doing the same thing doesn't really accelerate when you are growing. Once you are grown already, let's say you are closing 60, 70 deals a year and you have dominated one market, then you can partner with another one in some other market we're doing the same scale. But if, if we are doing one, two, and three deals, we wanna buy more, we're gonna look at more then I need to find people that who are doing something differently to so put together we, we do it. so that's one. On the other side, you could say, you know what, I'm, you know, I, am, I am calling, I'm texting, but my conversion rate isn't that good and I'm out of my money for marketing. Can I partner with somebody who has more money, more market plus who needs my expertise so we can do more, right? So that doing more has to be very clear about it when you do a partnership, not just for heck of it, right? So. Did that answer your question?
4: Yes, it, it definitely did um, with with large regard. Um, one other thing I was going to inquire to was more lending to how do you source a person of a certain caliber? You know, it's one thing, as you said, I mean, part of that goes into it, the intent of having a long term relationship and, you know, you don't yes, want to do one, yes, two or three. You want to continue within the future, you know, but how how do you source the person of similar core value of similar. Well, you could you ask, build a vision together, obviously, but. How do you source a person of a considerable character, not just someone who can do it, but someone who, I hate to be, keep reiterating, but again, it's like a certain caliber, the person that you know you can trust with that, with, with those objectives, may have okay. that mindset, I mean, and, and that skill set, if that makes sense.
2: And uh, absolutely does. Uh, we struggle and I struggled, right? This, the reality is uh, who you starting the team that you're building today, depending on where you're gonna go, it's not gonna be same year number two or year number four. Some of them will stay uh, because you are moving too fast or they're moving too fast for you, right? It's gonna just happen. Uh, it's just natural progression. The team that I started with four years ago, I have two persons left with me, Ajit, stay with me, and another person still stay with me, but we have a different bucket to play within, right? So be clear within your know, mind, tell yourself where I start today. Four years from now, they may or may not be there with me. That's because either that person will grow faster than me or I will grow faster than them. And that's a mutual respect you're gonna have, right? Since that's the case, early on, what you wanna do, you wanna find people who are flexible, who are open. We have, certain, you know, we have certain type of people that they are really badass and they absolutely are, they're gifted people. they close to left and right, but they don't wanna learn, they don't wanna be flexible. If we like them, go for it, for us, even though we do deals, but we make mistakes, we wanna be able to talk to people. And the best way, the easiest way to learn it, you do a deal. I always do deal with people. My philosophy is you can, you can screw me at least one time and that's it, right? And know, anyway, in real estate, we make sometimes crazy amount of money, which is sometimes absurd, sometimes stupid, sometimes just gift, right? So treat that way, partner with people at a smaller scale and see what happens. And when I, when I partner, I partner with everybody. I have, God knows how many deals at the JV goes out. And I know I'm going in open, I'm going in exposed. And downside, I'm gonna lose some money, but upside is I'll come up with extremely good friendship. So for me, when someone says, we'll do the conversation, then I go in empty without any expectation, but I always do deals. And the best way to do is that, run that on a piece of paper, hey, you know, hey, Kia, I got this deal. Let's go take a look at it. And let's go in our mind, run a scenario by. If I find this for $20,000 or $50,000, you build a buyer. You bring me a buyer who's gonna sell it, buy it for 150. How would you see a split? If you run those scenario by the people after one or two or three times, you will see that maturity of the conversation, how you all come together. So. So I would say a test, whoever, whoever says whatever on the phone, everybody comes out very strong, but then you start doing a deal and you go. And I work with, and I, I mentor, I, I, I mentor wholesalers that are coming in, out the gate. And I have had friends, they sold me lots of properties who I started at the very beginning, worked my way through. And there was one person, he is just something else. Uh, he started in three years. He started after me and he buys about 80 properties a year and he's only 24 years old. So I learned from him. But again, we had the friendship, we had the openness, right? And he sells me all the time, plus he buys for himself. So I would say, when you want to learn a relationship, go out and do some dating, run stuff on a piece of paper and throw some absurd number in there for the profit sharing and things like that and see how the individual will react. Based on the reaction, you will have a good pulse of which way to go. Okay. And second thing, if you really like somebody, I'm a sucker for people. If I really like somebody, I want to work with them because they can help in certain way. I'll work for free. I have a guy that I really want to work with him in the Houston market. Him and I, we didn't get along. We just didn't. Then we then, but we both says we like each other, right? So we said, okay, let's figure out each other's style and play with it. So it's been about four or five months working and finally we're seeing ourselves and doing deals together. We're getting used to of our styles, right? So I would say do deals together. Do JP. Did they help? Oh
4: yes, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks for sharing.
2: Awesome. Anybody else?
3: Someone on Facebook asked, how do you pull the list for commercial?
2: Okay. Um, you can pull it. So I'll give a generic idea, right? The way you pull it, you can pull, let's say, yeah, I will start with the county. On the county level, if you're looking for delinquent, the same thing, you pull the same delinquent list, and each of the counties will have an asset class. state of Texas, we call it a uh, state category that tells you what kind of asset they are. See for lands. A for commercial, A for houses, you just sort it by. So you can go for the delinquent properties the same way you go for residential, county, then you separate that out. If we use PropStream, they still have it. If you buy the list from somewhere else, a list source or something like that, they still have commercial as well. But on the commercial, keep in mind, it's the dollar that's gonna be more impactful than the longevity, of it, right? So you wanna pick a list where they have, and you know, I had that uh, asset for a while, uh, for a long time, ideally, uh, and or a little bit of you know lower dollar value, so your conversation gets easier. Any other question? Uh, Daniel Anthony from Facebook. I'm not following that part of it.
4: I have a question. Uh, you yes. mentioned that uh, you mentor. Are you accepting um, new mentees?
2: And if so, how can we reach okay. and contact you? Yeah. So, so thank you for asking. I don't have an educational platform. I mentor in a sense, hey, sure. I got a question. Hey, what could you help me out with it? five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever conversation? I'm happy to do so. so absolutely no problem and you know, reaching out to me and I'll, you know, I'll give you my thoughts on it. I don't have any expectation. I, I like people being successful, quoting a deal, it makes me happy. And when you know, if I could help away to get a deal done, it just makes me extremely happy, right? I, my joke in my team is that we don't buy things from wholesalers who doesn't make money because they're not going to stay in business, right? So more you make, I'm happier for you. So if you have any question, anything that you are stuck with it, give me a call. The one thing what I would ask is, uh, there, it's a couple of basic rules, right? When you do look at commercial, what I would ask, make yourself a little bit uncomfortable by try to underwrite it first, which is next session, we're going to show you some back of the envelope ways to go about it and then ask for a second opinion. Rather, hey, this is, you know, this is the address. He said, hello, and give me a price, right? That's gonna help. Or build a good relationship with the seller, like a strong relationship that they're willing to work with you and then bring somebody else in. But I'm happy to help anybody. So I would say in this, we have Daniel, we have Anthony, they're engaged and I I talk to them often, pretty often. Almost every day, every other day we like it. We're texting all the time. So we have us as a resource. You could reach out to us anytime. Thank you. No problem. But this a short answer is I'm not taking away the mental mental relationship, but I'm open to help. going back. What else, guys? These are good questions. Please. I can go on and on. So All right. So again, I'm gonna go back and talk about building a team a little bit. Uh, So, in a sense, building a team is very important because I start start on the on the commercial side of it. Why it's important? Because everything depends on lending, and the lending is slightly different than other side. It's a whole lot of different than you know. It's a whole lot of different than the residential. What I would try to simplify is that on the residential, it's roughly one to three ratio which is if we earn $1, I can borrow you know, $3. If I earn $30,000, I can buy a house up to $100,000. That's typically the case. They are, they are lending you based on the buyer's earning power, based on their work hours and right? W2 jobs, whatever job is. In the commercial segment, it's slightly different. Okay, before I go, there's another difference on a house and a residence like that. Typically, there are 30 years amortization and fixed interest rate. Whatever you lock in, you lock in, in general, right? And then it's 30. Even though you do hard money, whatever the case might be, besides the rehab, still it's about 35 years of, I'm sorry, 30 years of the loan. So your monthly rate is pretty low. In other words, if you last your earning, one, two, three, four, five, six months, the owner still can pay. On the commercial side, it's different. It's one-to-one ratio. What, What I meant to say is that Typical, commercial, multifamily, and that, I'll start with the multifamily first. So first of all, uh, uh, on the multifamily, there is no one to two ratio, and there's no earning ratio. The two things has to happen. It's a dollar to dollar of a net worth ratio. In other words, if someone wants to go and buy a $5 million apartment, then bank is gonna ask to see that whoever is applying for $5 million loan do they have five million dollars of net worth? Not the earning, earning is later, right? So that's one. And by design, not not many people I know got five million dollars in our balance sheet sitting around and they can say, "Oh, how go have at it, right? Second thing, they're gonna ask, to buy a five million dollars, you're gonna put down twenty five percent down, then life is gonna happen, another five percent, you're gonna have you know thirty percent cash. So one and a half million dollars to two million dollars, right? So, number one, to buy to buy something, 5 to $7 million loan, I mean, asset size, to take a loan for $5 million, number one, the buying team got to have $5 million of net worth after paying everything except the house. Number two, they got to have $1.5 to $2 million. So, they, they have enough cash to do it, right? Syndication is good. You can raise $1.5 to $2 million. But in the syndication, you got to find somebody who has $5 million worth of net assets. I'm willing to sign a loan. So it gets extremely tricky. So on, on that, I mean, for, for those category, which as you build your team, whenever you qualify your team members, you say, hmm, this is a $10 billion deal. I'm talking to Shariar, can he or his team can really take down a $10 million deal? That means their net worth is $10 million higher enough now? Do they really have the capacity and experience to take on or to raise $3 million? Have they done one before, right? You start asking those questions and you kind of sort of need and know which way to go about it. If you sell anything $1 million or less, you don't have to worry about it. There are almost everybody can put down $250,000 down payment, two or three people can, I you know, two or three people can sign on and get a loan, no problem. But once you start pushing that one and a $2 million deal, it gets extremely tricky. For the warehouses, industrial, it is tricky, or than tricky. Uh, if it's a vacant, instead of you know, in Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, three of the banks that I work with, they're not gonna give you loan. Straight up, no loan. So good luck buying an industrial space that doesn't have it, that goes above a million dollars is vacant. So your discount has to be heavy and your team has to understand whether you can buy the whole thing cash or not, right? equity funding. If it is, if it has a tenant, that's a different structure, but then you still need to see they're gonna take on a loan, their net asset, the net worth, qualify for that amount or not. So kind of have that lending lens on it to help you who's gonna be good for your you know, buying partner, right? That's one. And then when you look for a team, as I give you the whole, as I made you guys confused, is that underwriting, who's gonna underwrite it, right? And whenever somebody underwrites, you ask the question, if I have to buy deal number four in the apartment sector or in the land sector, and it's someone who's comfortable underwriting asset who understand the lending. On a land, you can do owner finance and things like that, but when you get into the commercial high-end properties, nothing like that. It's gonna be straight up, and you know, all equity purchase or 50% loan, right? So, and that's how you have to be. Example, when I went to the Dallas Fort Worth, so I'll get to and I'll kind of tie that in. This is the top golf on the Fort Worth area, and our property is somewhere down here. And initially, it didn't make sense, right? I was at a 1.2 at best because I was looking at just as land, buy and hold, right? Uh, we buy, which is buy and hold we buy it at 1.1, 1.2, we hold it, Dallas is appreciating, maybe three years down the way you can sell it for 1.8, 1.9. But then I was like, okay, I am missing something out. Maybe I cannot, the location is good, it's being gentrified and, and there are some townhomes being built, there was a new apartment uh, right here, class A, I believe this one. Yeah, this one, they're charging $1.80 per square foot of I mean, rental space. They're going like a hot cake. So, you know, it's like a 1,900-square-foot apartment going for almost $2,000. And location might make sense. This area is being gentrified. New townhomes are coming out right here. So I thought, okay, kind of sort of makes sense. Uh, but maybe I'm missing something out, you know? And then I called a friend of mine who does new development in Dallas. Then he showed me a couple of context. Hey, underwrite, don't underwrite it into this price, underwrite today plus the forecasted rent court price two years on the way, because you got to buy the land, you got to do the entitlement, you got to construction, then you got to go lease up. That's about two years out. When I looked at that, I was like, okay, I can pay maybe one and a half, you know, a half, 1.6, but I'm still missing something because seller wants you know, $2 million. Then I called him again. I said, look, I want to do it. I'm thinking I want to build a three-story apartment. This is the size. Then he was like, yeah, I want to give you the answer, but let me call an architect. Here comes an architect, $3,000 out, but it's fine. We, we called him in An architect said, okay, you can build a seven story building with first two floors apartment and fr- then floor number three to another floor number eight to seven, all apartments. You can get the most density out of it. That means you can get the most rentable space. And if you do that way, you can easily pay $2 million. But do you see how I didn't know but I had a gut feel that my team has to tell me something. I wrapped up my team, team gave me a little bit, but we still could not get to the seller. And then I brought the other team in there that told me, yeah, you could do it. And then, so the condition of that property is that I must be approved for 90 plus unit from the city of Fort Worth for me to do the closing. So we went back to the seller and said, hey, give me six months of closing time. And I'll put down some money for you, but I'll close after six months, if and only if I get the permission or I get the, you know, plan approved by the city for 90 plus units. Now we're negotiating, right? So that's why what I would say as you kind of go build your team, you kind of pay attention to who's going to underwrite for you or who's going to sell it for you. And so have that lens on it as you kind of go. So that's how I did my, uh, Anthony, that's, that's how I did my uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. And I don't know how this is gonna come about, but at least we underwrote it. And that triggered a lot of learning about that area. That triggered some additional uh, offers that went out. Uh, I'll show you in a little bit of north of it. So, so as we did the investigation here, we had a pretty good idea which way these were building. And then we, we saw that how the Dallas is going on the Denton market and how it's going to the Anna market. So overall, this side of the Dallas is pretty growth heavy versus this outside, right? And if you wanna pay Armin and for it, it makes sense to go on this side of it versus that side of it. So pricing is different, right? And I have CoStar, we all have CoStar and we use that all the time uh, to understand growth pattern Sometimes we don't know anything. So we say we go to filters right here. And I said, okay, I want to take a look. All the buildings coming up, they are under construction. Mm-hmm. And I want to take a look at it, all the multifamily hypothetically, right? Done. When I do it, you will see the cluster of the new development, it's the inner city. So all the new apartments that's happening in the city of Houston, it's in the inner city. Those are high rise. And if you wanna see the Dallas market, it's the same way. Now, the trick is, as I mentioned, it's a, for me, we buy apartments, fine, which way you underwrite the land. So just under, just keep in mind, this is core Houston, right here. All the things are so new apartments coming in. Everything is high rise. But if I just change that multifamily, so I go industrial. It shifts, right? It's gonna shift heavily. Look at this shift, an I-10 corridor. All the industrial cluster is happening right here. And then we have another industrial cluster that we have is somewhere in that Beltway, 290 resident. So this this high, I mean, right here, the 290 corridor, I-10 corridor, and this is actually industrial hubs. So when you underwrite a land or property, uh, it's gonna be different versus where we are, right? So the commercial gets extremely tricky in that, in that perspective, so going back to it, your your team really matters on the commercial side. All right, questions. Come on, guys. You guys have more. It's, it's it's hive mind. Twenty people on the you know on the call.
3: So um, I have a question. Yes. How do you structure that down payment? Because you're talking about uh, funds required to buy the deal and net worth. So how do you structure each part of each part of people, each people contributing to the to the deal? Because you might have the you might have the cash money for the down payment. You might have your balance sheet people. How do you structure that side of it?
2: Thank you. If that's the case, I'm going to use my example as you kind of go. In a second, since you guys, that's a very good question. So I will walk walk you through a live example of how we did the uh, the seventy million dollar deal, just to give you an idea of how that's going to go typically. Okay. Let me pull up the file. That's a very good question. That's an extremely good question. All right. So this is. So this is our team who are bringing the, uh, the deal down, right? Uh, Amy, Justin, Ash, me, and this. So we have lead sponsors and your co-sponsors. So for this deal, uh, what we needed, let me walk you through what we needed. All right. Financials, okay. So total uh, price is $70 million. Renovation is $2 million. I will do the rounding of it. Total will be all in $21 million. Our loan is going to be $14.5 million. And total raise is $6 million. So to get the deal done, you need whoever applies for the loan needs to have a net asset of this much. By the time somebody gets in this much, the lender is going to ask for your resume and your experience within the multifamily sector, within the Houston sector and also your balance sheets and everything else, right? So we knew this to play and we have to build the team. And at the same time, imagine we're gonna buy a $21 million company today and we're gonna run it, we're gonna fix it, and we're gonna sell it for $27 million five years from now. We're buying a $20 million company, not the property. So whoever is our C-suite people, they, have to, they must have the resume to do so. If you don't have the resume, don't touch a $20 million deal, right? And the learning on this 20 million dollar deal is too expensive. If I'm an investor, if all of us were investors, are we gonna find somebody who bully shows up fresh out of the school and say, "Hey, I have it. I'm gonna buy a 20 million dollar company. Come and invest with me." We would not, right? We'd rather go to somebody who's been there, done So on that note, our team that we have here is so the anchor down is is two approach. Our anchor is Ash, Ash. He has over, I don't know, almost 9,000 units. He owns everything. He's One of the cool thing about Ash, he's asset agnostic like me. He buys lands, he buys warehouses, he buys strip centers, he buys offices, he buys apartments. But he started in the office and apartment sector, right? It's a cool, so Ash checked out the liquidity. He checked out this uh, resume and he helped us with the loan. One of the cool thing about the commercial is that depending on who joins your team, Lender will like you more, your team better than other team, will give you better terms. Example, if I go into the same lender, ask for the same property, they're gonna give me a higher interest rate, lower interest only time, and lower capex. Ash shows up, he'll get everything, right? In this loan, Ash and I, we both signed, but Ash is, he is worth about 60 million bucks, $60 million, so he is, he is perfectly fine, he's comfortable. So Ash is our anchor point, he checked out the boxes. And then we're in asset management operations, Amy is the asset manager. She is the lead asset manager. She has taken down lots of projects up to five, six, ten million asset. Taking a $70 million, it's a, it's a stretch. That's where I came in. I come from a corporate world. I've done deals I know, to one to $300 million. I get how to put a structure in there. So Amy is the lead, I'm her backup, right? And Justin put the deal together first. Justin found the deal. He brought in Amy, Amy brought in Ash. Then Amy brought in me, we joined the party. When I came in, I said, okay, it's a $6 million raise. Who's going to come up with that? So I knew I raised $800,000. I raised about $2 million for this deal, including my investment. And then I didn't I didn't feel comfortable. I said, look, even though I come from the corporate world, this is the first time I'll be buying a, this such a big deal. I it's my backup. I bought in Sanjay. Uh, or I asked him. My partner, he brought in Sanjay. Sanjay is a, I talk talk, I, mean, I mean, he's just awesome. A uh, classic corporate guy, uh, went to, I think he moved from India to his master's, went to Chicago booth MBA, worked at in a financial firms, an expat in London that came back out in the banking industry. He grew up, then he started uh, getting into the apartment for the last seven years. So he is my backup for the asset management. So me and Justin, operations, Mike, Ajit, and Will, they helped us raise the money. Right. So everybody has a focused view. My focus into the deal was: I will set up the five years business plan for the business. Then I will orchestrate a 12 months of budget. I'll give it to Amy, and Amy is going to run it. And then when I when we do the closing, Sanjay is going to come up. He's going to help us uh, making sure that and our know, project gets delivered. In between, Mike will Ajit, and all of us will raise majority of the funds. Taken back with that, you know uh, that. $2 dollar deal on the department interesting part is we need two phases of money even though the land price is two million dollars to support that land price of two million dollars we we'll be end up building a plan for 25 million dollars given it's a land and a new construction it's a 25 million dollar project with the eight million dollar raise not even six eight and from the eight two million dollar has to be cash all in so we brought in the partners that way we have one partner who has been there, done that construction in Dallas, so lender will like him. We have another partner alongside with us who can sign on a loan. We have two dedicated partners they're gonna raise focus plus us. So it's a seven or eight people team and we have four people will be looking at the investor relations. One person will take a look at the, so two will take a look at the construction and then one of us or two of us will put the project together. So it's a team effort, right? That's how we structure. The so coolest thing about the, I uh, want the cool thing that I like about it, about the commercial real estate is, you gotta keep the end in mind, then you back solve. Not like let me buy the house and rehab, then rent. As the rent grows up, life becomes better. It doesn't work that way. It's the other way. We assume what the rent needs to be, then we figure out what the max we can pay and who's gonna do it. Did that answer your question? Did that help Daniel? You know?
3: Yes. Yes. That, that did a lot. That's, that was a lot. <laughs> that was cool though. <laughs> Sorry, it's kind of cool I'm that like you could...
2: a lot, right? Uh well, Oh, so... it's kind of cool
3: though, because you you, you, you show what, what it takes to do these type of deals.
2: So network, I mean, network matters and the trust matters and you can build the trust by doing deals with them. Uh, the reason we were able to get along really, really quick, really, really fast, because this still happened. We came into the deal or they had the deal almost six months on the contract that could not pull it. We came into the deal, I was a month and a half. Month and a half, we went from one and a half million dollar age to five and a half million dollar age, no business plan, the entirety of it. So Sanjay, Ajit, Mike, and us, we put in almost 1,500 hours worth of work in the last six weeks. Right. And the coolest thing was I know Amy for a year and a half. And when I want to work with her, she wants to work with me. But I don't like the price point she was buying. It was too small for me. She didn't know me too much. It was like, I want, she knew what I want to buy. Right? We didn't quite there. And then opportunity shows up. Boom, trust was there already. Ajit and I, we worked for, I mean, the last three and a half years, we're and I are together, right? So he'll cut me a check, no issue. I'll give him my, my property without even asking questions. He worked with Sanjay for three years. I have seen his name. I was like, you know, he does pretty good stuff. So when he brought him in, I had no issue about the trust because he was vetted out. Right. So that's why relationship matters, your partnership matters, and how long you know them, have you seen their work matters, especially on this kind of stuff, Right. And trust me, everybody called everybody's mom and dad and cousin to check on us. Trust me, they did. As is gonna call everybody I know, I'm gonna call everybody Amy knows. Amy's gonna call everybody, and Osanja knows to make sure they got the confidence level because we're about to get married, lack of better words, for five years, right? So that's that's that's
3: Definitely gotta weigh your relationships for sure.
2: Absolutely, it's a, it's, a, it's a relationship. If there is a doubt, that could be extremely amount of money, don't do it. For me, if I look at a deal, number one to nine, it's all about the people. Number 10 is the deal, right? I mean, if that, right? It's the people that matter, not the deal. And then if you hang out with the right set of people who have good intention, who make good decisions for you when you are not there, uh, deal is going to come.
3: Did you retrade this deal at all because you said the, the deal wasn't deep enough for you? Or was that a different no, no, deal? No, no, this
2: one was big enough for me. Not deep not enough, big enough for me. At the beginning when I saw the deal, uh, I wasn't mentally ready for a $15 million deal to take it down. At least I didn't have my team, so I wasn't mentally ready. And then I was thinking about it, what the best way to go about it. So we thought we we're going to push the envelope. Plus we sold some of the assets. We had some money came in and I was talking to Ajit. He was talking to Mike. He was talking to Sanjay. Then we met all of a sudden in four days, we walked a big property in LaPorte, Texas, little bit east of Pasadena. We ended up making an offer $19 million. I was like, holy macaroni, we'll go from zero for a $5 million thing to $19 million in four days. I mean, you know, life is like crazy. So we did not get it. Uh, thank God we didn't get it. Uh, it. it would have been a nightmare for the price and assumption. But then we took the same concept and applied on this one. It worked out really well. Right. And Amy and Justin, they're fantastic set of people. You know, they're just amazing. Right. I mean, you know, they worked with us to make the deal. We all came together. We all put all the you know, decks on the card. I mean, all the all the cards we have on the table, and we really and uh, strategically worked it out how we can revive the deal. And you know, and, and make it work. So it worked out. We went through a lot. I, I lost the deal within six weeks, once, cost us half a million dollars to get it back. And, and we're still struggling to get to the last set, but I think we're going to get there. So I'm confident to say, I think we're going to get there. I think we'll not tomorrow for sure. But again, for, for this team, what I would say going back again, it's, it's who, you know, you know, Daniel, you know, Anthony, those guys are crazy and really good. They have awesome heart in place. They're there to serve. Right. I, I am, I work with a lot of health wholesalers. Wholesalers want to see the money people change, but Daniel and Anthony, I got to give you guys the mad respect, not as a deal maker, just as a person to say, you guys have heart to help others. Everybody here, you got those two set of people to reach out. And then, if you have any question, they'll reach out to me or you can reach out to us and we'll go. And you don't have to learn. I shared with all those things I shared today, intentionally to confuse you as much as I could. That's because, you know, to stay where you're at, just keep an eyes and yours open. When the deal comes by, you pass it on to the right set of people and you keep doing what you're doing. What happens, your team will do the work. And if you have the right team, they'll still get you the benefit when the deal happens.
3: Yeah, so. no, that's good. Um... I think. Any of us have any final questions that we can cover? I know we covered a lot. I think we covered like the the, the basics, like overview of like how to structure a deal, how to find a deal, make sure you have right team in place. But um, what's a, what's a what's a final thing you can leave them as far as? I mean, you kind of said it right there. Is just make sure make sure you pass up the line that even if you're not you're not able to do it. You're you have your eyes open to it. it it's
2: exactly the same thing. Do do your land marketing. Go look for the 5,000 square foot, the 10,000 square foot land that you have that you are extremely comfortable with. But if something shows up, you know, you guys have the gut feel that there is something is cooking in there. Don't even waste, just give it to somebody else, let them run it for you. And But you go back to your stuff. So don't bet on the one big thing a year, bet on the little things that you do every day. But the one thing will show up if you have a, you know, just have a good view. So don't sort it over every single thing. You know, Anthony, you know, Daniel. Marino we are right there, two phone calls away. Happy
3: talk. All right, so we'll probably get them on another Monday to kind of cover, like, part two of this. Um, I know we kind of covered a lot, like I said, but um, we'll get a little bit more in-depth into, deeper into the conversation. Maybe you guys can understand a little bit more. But I hope you got, like, a general overview um, for everybody here. Um, this was live, so you guys can rewatch it again. This will be on YouTube later on and all that stuff. So, definitely check it out again if you guys need to rewatch it. Because when Shreier talks and you're not ready to receive the information, sometimes you have to watch it a couple times. And it's not even that Shreier doesn't explain it very well. It's just that when you're hearing something new for the first time, it just takes a couple more times to understand and uh, get a grasp of everything that he's talking about. So, don't feel so bad for everybody that might be lost. Bob, <laughs> give the thumbs up. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. So don't get, don't get overwhelmed at all. It happens. Um, just understand that it takes time to learn this stuff and it takes experience, you know, underwriting thousands of deals. How many deals have you underwritten, Shrier, in the last year? <laughs>
2: uh, on the commercial, it seems to be me and Sanja, when we can underwrite something in less than 20 minutes at a very high level, but detailed one takes about three hours for us. We do underwrite about 10 deals a week almost. That's only on the apartment sector, right? And the rest is it goes, it comes, right? Our our team makes about solid hard offer, about 30-some odd offers a week. So it's quite a bit of offer that goes on.
3: Yeah. And that goes back to you got to make offers too.
2: Yeah.
3: have to make offers. If you're looking for for deals, you got to make offers. So you're not finding them because you're not making enough offers. Sure. Um, and if we
2: don't know anything about anything to go with the 20 uh, last year's appraisal price, throw the number out there. You're not going to go wrong.
3: There you go. There you go. That was a nugget right there, <laughs> right at the end. All right. We appreciate everybody's time. It was a great call. Thanks, Ryer. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll do a, We'll do a part two to this um, in the future. And we'll let you guys know when that, when that's coming out, but we appreciate your time, Ryer.
4: Thanks everybody. Thank you. That was awesome. Thanks guys.
0: the show is sponsored by the list guys do you need more leads in your local or virtual market one in ten small businesses don't invest in any kind of marketing the list guys have over 35 plus list types to choose from and you can mix and match any list or criteria we also use the skip trace lists and provide up to seven numbers and email addresses. Every list you purchase will be scrubbed against previous purchases. The List Guys are here to save you time. Contact the List Guys today at www.1listguys.com. That's www. the number one listguyscom